Hello, welcome. I'm Dan Mullins. This is My Camino, the podcast. I'm so pleased to have your company wherever you are around the world. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient pilgrimages across Europe. And I like to think of it as a spiritual recharge. The Camino is famous the world over for providing pilgrims an opportunity to live simply, lean and serene. (laughs) The Camino itself, like Italy, France and Spain, indeed most of the world, is closed at the moment and it will reopen and it will reopen our hearts. I was lucky enough to be in the United States for the American Pilgrims on the Camino gathering last week. It was more than anything an honour to be there. It was also the trip of a lifetime. I was incredibly lucky to be invited to travel to Washington State to visit Whitby Island off the coast of Seattle. Andrew Holloway and his family have built a beautiful home on the banks of Puget Sound. It's absolutely stunning. The herons swoop to feed right in front of you as you take in the vista across the snow-capped Olympic mountain range. A submarine crept past us. A seagull picked up a mussel, flew into the sky and dropped his catch on the rocks below, and then the bird flew back to earth to see if he'd succeeded in its bid to crack the shell. Time stood still. We lit a fire, smoked cigars, enjoyed the wine and food Whidbey Island provided. I performed an intimate show on the Monday night. A handful of people braved the New World Order, and we sang and shared stories. The following day, Andrew Holloway and fellow Washington State local Kathy Watkins and I sat around Andy's kitchen bench. I had my first bagel. (laughs) We drank coffee and talked on Whidbey Island. William James, the American philosopher, once wrote, We are like islands in the sea, separate on the surface, but connected in the deep. Prior to me hitting record for the interview, we talked about faith, religion and spirituality. Kathy Watkins talked about her partner's long journey of sobriety. I felt it was a story worth telling. So I began by asking what it's like to walk along someone on that journey. Um, Well, when we met, he had been sober for 10 years and I thought it was a really long time. And when I look back on that now, it's... It's pretty funny because he was really, you know, in the grand scheme of things, pretty newly sober. But um, it's it's fascinating to watch. Um, he is somebody that I admire so greatly. Um, I've never known another person who works so hard on being his best self. And mm-hmm. and to me, I uh, one of the things that I've learned from being with him is the difference between not drinking. And sobriety, and the not drinking part is about alcohol, but the sobriety part is a spiritual path that he's on. Um, yeah, that, well, let's just elaborate on that. So, sobriety—it's not just about I don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's almost like a uh, a purpose for him, right? I think it's more, and I, I hate speaking for him or anybody mm-hmm. else in recovery, but it's almost like why did I drink? And um, and how do I get those needs met in a way that's healthy and good for me and good for the people in my life? Andrew, you've built this wonderful home, um, this magnificent space. 
Um, there's an energy here. There's absolutely, without question, uh, a great spirituality in this house. You and I have talked about the Camino before. You were one of my guests on one of my podcasts last year. Uh, tell us about your journey in trying to maintain a spirituality in your home and your life. We, as we were just talking about uh, prior to starting with um, on, with this chat, um, we were talking about faith and love. And I, I put everything I had into this house, not because I... I don't know. I mean, I just went on faith. Like I was, t- I, 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 my architect was somebody who, um, has amazing talent. And I just said, there's light, there's space and build me something amazing. You know, um, I kind of giggled and looked out at the mountains and I just said, look, just all you have to do is match the beauty out there. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he did his part and I felt like I needed, I wanted to honor all the hard work that was going into it, truthfully. Um, and also it was fun for me because I was building it, um, I was building it for my specs and it's a place that I ultimately will end up. But truthfully, I was building it for everybody who was going to come mm-hmm. and stay here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that I'm humbled mm-hmm. by the fact that people build family memories mm-hmm. year in and year out. They come mm-hmm. and this is where they spend their vacation. Yeah. And that's, I, I, and so going into it, I kind of knew from the first nail that went in, that's what I was, that that's a, that's what I wanted for them. I wanted this was not for me. It was it was to share this. Yeah. And this, the the beauty's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we talked before I pressed record, we talked about spirituality and about faith and about love and about uh, you know, religion and all of those things and 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 you Kavi said, "Oh, you know, it's like you walk into those cathedrals and you go, "Oh my god, look at all this, <laughs> you know." Yet You can walk into the humblest of churches and go, wow. Now, I walked in here yesterday and went, wow, right? Because there's something in this house, there's something in this space. Singing here last night, I could have sung for hours and hours and hours because there's an energy in this place. So, Kathy, back to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Camino, how does it or how does it sit with you? And and tell us about the energy you get from being part of the Camino family. Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, I think the coming home from the Camino in 2014 was was hard for both Tim and me. I don't think we had anticipated that. Um, looking back, I guess we should have. But um, I did my Camino. I had just retired. I retired when I was 59 and we we were going to walk for my 60th birthday and then I had a back injury and wasn't able to. So the next year we walked and actually celebrated my 61st birthday on the on the Camino. Um, and then and one of the things that we did, this is not at all the question you just asked me, I just realized, but one of the things that we did before we left for the Camino is we made a list of 
people who were important in our lives for various reasons. And we took this list with us to the Camino, and every morning before we walked, we would set our intention for the day, um, say a prayer for our walk, and we would spend the day devoted to talking about whatever person's name came up on the list and what they meant to us and um, and how important they were to us. And... um, it was just a really great way to you know to do it and to um, just to honor people who have influenced us on our Camino de la Vida. Um, so coming home, that I mean, the question is how do how do you keep that then in in your day to day life? And um, and one of the things the Camino does, of course, is help illuminate what all of the baggage that you're carrying around. And I remember laying that rock down at the Cruz de Ferro and saying, okay, there, I'm just going to release judgment. Uh, you know, but <laughs> I'm successful to varying degrees depending upon what's going on in my life. Um, and then and I stay connected to to the Camino through... Reading through your podcasts, uh, I'm involved with our local um, American Pilgrims on the Camino Puget Sound group, and um, so helping. Um, it helps to we get together at least once a month, and we do walks and we do coffees, and so we talk with people who are getting ready to set out. And I always tell them I have a, a little bit of jealousy because they get to do something that I can never do again, which is walk my first Camino. Yeah, yeah, yeah Never yeah. get to do that twice. So if I was to ask you to sum up in one word, it's very difficult, I know, what the Camino experience, how, what's one word for you? I, I might say enriching um, because my husband and I walked together and we didn't walk together like some married people do, uh, you know, meet you at the next bar in the next town. We walked every step side by side. Um, and it, I mean, we had a really great marriage to begin with, but it really enriched our marriage. Um, our relationship, um, taught us really to rely on one another, um, taught me to, look at what it really means to to love somebody. Um, And we got up every single morning, Tim got up and taped my feet and before we walked. And it was, it really took me a while to really appreciate what an act of love and devotion that was. Um, So I would say it was enriching and it was certainly life changing. Can I ask you something? We talked just a moment ago about, about 37 years sober. Um, you must not be no Nintendo. No, be But you must you must develop a great love for yourself after that amount of time. I mean, he, he must have a lot of love to give because he's he's chosen that very that's not an easy path. But he must mm-hmm. he must you know, that must be really empowering for someone like that. And to be able to give that kind of love to you, that must be very special. Yeah, I think that um, when we, I was thinking about it when we were talking earlier about faith. I mean, and, and you were talking about that faith is love. And to me, that's what a marriage is about anyway. It's like I never wake up. I've never, one time in all the years we've been together, I never wake up and wonder, 
you know, I wonder if everything's okay today. I wonder if he still loves me today. I wonder if he's still coming home today. You know, that just, we agreed when we got together, we just, all the exits are closed and whatever's going on, you know, we just huddle up together and figure out how to, how to get through it. Mm. And, so, and so really, I think mm. that, I know that everybody says this, but it really is true that the Camino really is just a metaphor for life. I mean, there are times on the Camino when it's so hard. I remember the first day going over the Pyrenees and it was snowing. And I just thought, this is the worst idea I've ever had. <laughs> like, we should just go home. And, and, you know, this was just not the right thing to be doing. And we, and we met a man in Astorga who was telling us it was his third Camino. And we're like, why would anybody do this more than... I mean, it's great. By the time we got to Astorga, we were really enjoying ourselves. But, you know, one and done. Tick and move on. And, and since then, you know, now we're planning like our well, fifth route, but fourth trip over there. Um, so it gets under your skin, for sure. And then I want to tell a very quick story. So last, last night after the gig, Kathy said, I want you to come and have a look at my license plate. <laughs> what, what does it say? Altrea. Awesome. <laughs> Andrew, you, you, you've got a young family. You're here um, on the banks of Puget Sound, looking across at the most magnificent view. <laughs> it is so incredible. How has the Camino impacted your life? And you keep talking about going back, and now we know that we can't go back again, perhaps even for another three or four months. How has it impacted your life? How does it, how does it res- resonate in your life day to day? I think what the Camino taught me was just how to be calm. Mm. I mean, truly, like you wake up, you, you kind of peel away it's a luxury, really. You've peeled away everything. You've got seven kilos or whatever on your back. You walk knowing you have faith that you're going to find a fountain and you're going to fill up your water. And, you know, you stop when you want. You do kind of what you want. But, I mean, we really should be able to do that in real life. So you, so to answer your question, how does it impact my day-to-day, when I'm, when, when I'm successful... Um, I'm Camino Andy and that's what my kids call me. You know, they just say you're, I'm jovial, I'm fun, I'm light. Um, and I'm not focused on the future or the past. I'm just kind of enjoying the moment. Do you get a, do you get a a sense that you need to go back and recharge? Does Camino Andy need to go back to on the Camino to check? I get to. I don't need to. It's a, I mean, I'm fortunate enough um, to have a, a, a wife who goes, yeah, go, you know, and so we do. And, you know, that Lily and I, my eldest daughter, she's 11. We were we were scheduled to leave a week from today. Um, obviously not going now. Um, but again, like that was I was I disappointed. Sure. I but OK. That just means maybe I'll do it in the fall. I've never walked the Camino in the fall. I would love to walk it in the winter. You know, I just, these are the things that I'm excited for because it's the experiences, the experiences ever changing. Your family is different. You could wait a day, you could get a blister and all of a sudden you're meeting another amazing group of people who are seriously a, a five minute, 10 minute car ride away. You didn't. You wouldn't know them if you continue to march along at your speed. You know, so I don't know. It's 
it just teaches you, I think it teaches me to just be okay with the moment. When, when you said, you, you said, you sort of brushed your hand back and said, when I go back and you have, your eyes sort of lit up and I thought, oh, there must be something in your mind's eye that you picture about the Camino that excites you. What is that? What was that little sparkle in your eyes just now that Kathy and I both saw? Because we both went like this. <laughs> There's always been something in me. I've got a little travel, travel lust, but for me, it's not the, it's, it's the unknown. I think I, I love the fact that I'm going to get on a plane and have one night planned and everything else is going to unfold. I'm going to, and there's magic in that. The Camino, there's just magic in that, in that freedom, in that, I don't, I mean, you know, you ask about spreadsheet pilgrims and, and whatnot, and there are certain Caminos where I think it's beneficial to have a, you know, have it planned. I think the Lapui, the one that I'm scheduled to go on and do um, in May, um, I think there's, you know, you need to call ahead because it's respectful for the the, the Jeep to, to do so, you know? Um, so, I don't know, it's, but it still doesn't mean that I have any idea what it's going to be like to walk that day. Yeah. It's just the excitement of the unknown. Yeah. I remember walking in 2016 and I would, it was so, it was really hot and with my fair skin, I had to walk in the dark in the morning and I, I couldn't walk after lunch. There's no question about that. So I'd have to get to the town. There were some days there where I would get in before noon and think, I have nothing to do. Nowhere to be, no one to meet, no one to talk to. It's just me. What the heck am I going to do? So I'd sit down under a tree or, or, or I didn't even have anything to read. So the great freedom, an unex, inexplicable freedom, which is, that's so true. I never thought about it like that. No wonder your eyes lit up when, I, when, you, when you cast your mind's eye back. And so, Kathy... Tell us about your. You, let's tell, tell us about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I should have probably asked you that. Where's home? What are you? What are you doing here? Home is in Redmond, Washington. Now um, I grew up in the Central Valley in California. Um, then when I, I graduated from high school on a Friday night and on Saturday morning I moved to Hawaii, and I lived there for eight years. And then I moved back to California and started going to college, went to college for 10 years, got a PhD, um, became a university professor, and then in whatever, what year was it? 2012, <laughs> I retired. And uh, I have uh, one child and two stepchildren, um, but I came home from work one day and just told Tim I was, my job had changed a lot and I was unhappy at work and my mother had passed away and I just walked in the house and I said, you know what, I don't like my job, my mom's gone and all I want to do is be with my daughter and my grandchild and so I want to retire and move to Redmond, Washington. I hope you're coming with me. <laughs> so I retired in June and we moved in September up here to the Pacific Northwest. When you say you've got your PhD, what, what was your speciality? Well, my PhD is in psychology, and I have a minor in special education. I was a professor of special education, so I trained teachers to work with children who have disabilities. Wow. 
that's how I got to the Australian outback. Um, as I ran a, a literacy clinic uh, up on my campus at the university and um, uh, an organization in Eugene, Oregon that I had done a lot of work for had a contract with a group in Australia called Good to Great Schools Australia and they needed consultants to come over and work with their teachers and administrative staff and so they hired me. And I had they, When they first called me, and uh, I had been retired for three years, and they said, "Do you want to, you know, do you want to come to work for us?" And I said, "Oh gosh, no! I'm having the time of my life. I love being retired. Not interested." And they said, "Well, it's in Australia." I said, "Well, it turns out I'm very interested." <laughs> what, what can we all learn from children with special needs? Oh wow! Um, well. I think what you what you learn from them is just if you if you pay attention, um, they'll tell you what their needs are. Um, and so, I hope what my students learn from me is that um, they probably got tired of hearing me say it, but it was taught to me by my mentors. So it's, if the child didn't learn, the teacher didn't teach. So if kids aren't learning the way you're teaching, then you, you need to teach differently. You need to design instruction differently. You need to deliver it differently. You need to, you know, it's like dancing. You know, I don't, I don't, when I'm teaching, reading to a child, I don't really know what I'm going to do next because it's going to depend on what the student does, if the mm. student does things correctly, or if the student makes an error, and then I have to diagnose what kind of error it was and what are the implications of that for future instruction? And mm. when you think back, oh, you've now how many Caminos? Three, four. You're about to do your fourth. Uh, well, we've walked the Camino Frances, um, walked from Lapui to Pamplona, I've walked the Primitivo and um, the Portuguese from Porto. Right, right. When you think back about that uh, work life mm-hmm. and now this retired life. Um, are you proud of what you achieved? Is, do you look back fondly on your career? Oh, absolutely. But I think the thing I'm most proud of is the teachers that I ha- have had a part in um, preparing them professionally, because um, they're the ones who are out there now on the front lines. And um, I have some students who are some of the most gifted, dedicated, hardworking, successful um, teachers. It, it's It really is uh, amazing that they're out there every single day. And I think going back to your question about what working with kids with special needs teach, it's, you know, people say if you work with kids with special ed, you need to have a lot of patience. And my students think that's really funny because I'm not very patient. <laughs> and, and I always tell them, you, really, you don't really need patience. What you need is an effective instructional technology. But what it does teach you is to be present, mm. to, you know, to, to really yeah. be fully engaged and observing what's going on with the child and, are, and is what you're doing being successful or not. And I think that's the same thing the Camino teaches you is just to be present. I remember Tim would say to me, here's the big lesson, you know, keep your head where your feet are. And, you know, just, it's so simple, but it's like, just keep your head where your feet are. Just be here. Andrew, can you keep your head where your feet are? I'm not that flexible anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I, I do think that 
their message is the Camino message is all in what you just said. Mm-hmm. As far as being present, I mean, so much of the Camino is listening, mm-hmm. right? So you're you're walking with these people who all have amazing stories, mm-hmm. and so it's important. It is that dance, you know. It's every day you're having a different conversation, and you're getting somebody's really. I mean, the stories that you hear on the Camino and the people that you meet and the struggles um, are, I mean, I'm, again, I'm going to use the word I'm humbled. I'm humbled to, to be able to walk next to somebody who wants to share their struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the Camino dance. That's the beauty of it, truthfully, I think, is, is just your you're being allowed into all of these amazing people's lives. We, and that's why you're, you're, I think you do such an amazing job on the podcast. Truthfully, it's because you're bringing a little bit of that to our, you know, our rigid, structured lives. And I want to be reminded weekly that I can listen and should listen and ask better questions. Yeah. But, but let's take, go back to the Camino de Santiago. You mentioned while we're having coffee and I had my first bagel <laughs> in my life today and it was fantastic. You, you, you mentioned uh, that you really walked alone. Um, you didn't walk with the Camino family and, and every once in a while when you got the sense that the Camino family was forming, you kind of said, well, I'm going to walk. I'm going to create my own space. I, why, why was that? Have you even thought about why? Or you just went with the flow? I had, I had, a, I had a few Camino families. Um, there, was, there were times where I needed more space and I chose to walk further to get that space. But ultimately... I found my way back to them. I would, you know, the day, for 10 days later, I would hold off a half a day or something to catch, would let people catch up. There were also days where I, there was a, there was a guy that I was on the airplane with. Um, my, my, my youngest, Hana, asked me whether or not you were the Viking yesterday. And I said, no, he's not the Viking. I said, that, that is, the, the Viking has a big Viking beard, right? Um, because she just hears of this, this guy that I walked with for, for so long. And I had to wait for him and I needed to wait for him. And it was like, so the Camino family is, it's ever changing. You know, you, your day to day moods change. So I, I, I'm envious kind of, you tell these stories of like a, such a solid group of people that you walked with the whole way. I, I don't, I'm in contact with my people still, but I didn't have that locked in group that I, I, ex- I experienced. I got a lot of different groups. Yeah. Yeah. And Kathy, you mentioned also earlier that you still keep in close contact with a lot of the Camino people that mm-hmm. you've walked with. Yeah, I do. Um, and, and some that I didn't really walk with on a day-to-day basis, but there's a core group of us that stay in touch through Facebook and we have, um, you know, we've traveled to Australia to visit people there. They came here in 2018 to do the John Muir Trail um, with my husband. I didn't go on that trip. Um, and we all met in Lapui and did that walk together. Last summer we met in um, England and we 
all did the Pilgrim's Way. We walked the Pilgrim's Way from Winchester Cathedral to Canterbury. Um, so that was a reunion, another reunion. So yeah, it's just a group of us that um, stay in touch and um, and through, you know, I it's interesting because one of um, my friend Ruth, her first grandchild was born while we were on the Camino, and oh, wow. and uh, you know, so we've I've watched him grow up on Facebook and. And we do FaceTime, and you know, we yeah. stay in touch with each other and know what's going on in each other's lives. If I were to place you, to pick you up, okay, Kathy, I'm going to place you one place. Come on, Lapui, the the Primitivo. Where where would you love to go back to just for one night? Robinall. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. When you when I think about churches where you walk in and say, "Wow," and it's so simple. Yeah. Um, and just. I just I I would give anything to just be transported automatically to Vespers yeah. in Rabanal. So I tell a very quick story. So I'm in Rabanal and 2016, and one of the hospitaleros said to me, "Oh, the Canadian girl here, uh, Angela, she's the biggest crowded house fan on the planet. Right? It's an Australian band, Crowded House." I said, "Oh, really?" So that night. We all went out for Vespers, then we went out, we had dinner, and we came back. And I could see she was working upstairs. There's that room upstairs. Um, you go up from the bunk rooms, and there's a room upstairs. And she was working very studiously, you know, with her glasses on, and she's sort of frowning, you know, working away. And I just sat down with the, with the house guitar, which just happened to be seen, and just started playing Crowded House. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, what's going on here? What is going on here? And it turned into this wonderful night of everybody sitting around, people coming up one by one, you know, sticking their head up and, and coming up and sitting around. And we, we sang songs all night, you know. And I remember clearly, like it was yesterday, every person in the room singing Imagine oh, by John, Imagine. the John Lennon song, you know. And we all collectively thought, you know, this is just such a magic experience. It was just so wonderful. All right, Rabinal, come on, Andy. I'm going to pick you up and place you one place. On the Camino, where are, where am I placing you, and why? Grenon. How was my other choice? You know, everybody says Grenon. I didn't stay there, oh. so it, it must be because there's a. Is there a town one side of it that everybody stays in, or something? There's a albergue mm-hmm. that is just magical. It's, Tell us that story. You, it's it's a it's a it's like many towns. It's not much of a town, although there's an amazing um, place called. My way. Um, uh, it's a cafe um, that's right there, and the guy sp- sp- uh, plays amazing music. And so you just go in there and, you know, wait for the the albergue to open. Um, but the but it's just the 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 hospital arrows there. Are, both times I've been have been wonderful, and you just prepare this meal together, and you all eat together, and the there's there's a big fireplace in the corner, and they take the whole group down into the church. Well, there's a little there's a there's also a room that's below, um, and they they just have this moment where you just all go around the room and talk about what brought you here and 
the languages, the like the, everything melts away, right? And 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 for me, both times that I was there, um, it was the best night on the Camino. And and you go up into the quiet yeah. loft. So there's a yeah, so the, you, there's you see well you sleep in a loft space mm-hmm. um, on the floor on mats. Mm-hmm. Um, overlooking the you know the space down below where they just where there's always a fire and again there's something about being in a you know 900 year old church and the you know sleeping up in the the loft space um think of the stories yeah. Think of the stories that flyer place could tell you know yeah, yeah. the songs that it had heard the yeah. the 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 Holy cow, the history. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that it's my favorite town on the Camino. I mean, there are, it's a, that's a tough question because, like, I could also plunk myself down, you know, somewhere but on day four with the, the flowing green hills walking along and just... I mean, I was, you're just so charmed by the isolation, right? I would, I would love to go back to that. Um, so, I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> you will, that's right. You know, uh, when you talk about Grenion, I understand that you all sing, don't you? Mm-hmm. And then you go over to the church to yeah. sing for, for later. Have you, been, have you, have you mm-hmm. stayed there? Mm-hmm. But I don't remember singing in the church. We, we went over and we were up in the church, in the choir loft, and they did a special, um, not really a service, but like a special ceremony, and you're looking out over the church, and the altar is illuminated, but everything else is just, you're in complete darkness, and you're in a circle in this choir loft, and uh, yeah, it was, that was an experience that I won't ever forget when you I understand Le Puy is different because you need to, to 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 call ahead to book your place I remember when I walked in France I said why do I have to do that I don't like doing that mm-hmm. and someone said to me you don't want a grumpy French woman making you dinner mm-hmm. and and so I thought that was a good point but what about you are you a, a spreadsheet pilgrim do you when you like on the France says and what have you are you just go with the flow now, when we walked the Camino Frances, we we booked in Saint Jean Pied de Port and we booked in Orison, and and that was it. Oh, and one other place we booked because we learned about it as we were walking in Finisterre, behind the lighthouse. There's a tiny hotel that has four, maybe five rooms called O Semaforo, and somebody told us about it. And I got on Booking.com and booked a room. There, so we stayed there, but those those were the only bookings we did. Otherwise, we just showed up and. Um, Tell us again about the place in Finisterre. It's just there's a, a hotel behind the lighthouse, and it's called Hotel O Semaforo, and it's this. It was we stayed there in 2014. In 2016, when we went out there, it was closed, um, and I thought it was closed permanently, but it was closed apparently for renovation because it's it's open again now. Semaphoro, I'm assuming that's semaphore. Yeah. The, the, yeah, uh, the flags. The, yeah. The, yeah. Wow, how incredible. Yeah. I don't remember even seeing it. Yeah. But we didn't. Um, and then um, when we walked from La Puy, we didn't, we, we certainly didn't make a spreadsheet, but we, uh, oh, I might have if I had known how to make one, but, <laughs> uh, but we booked ahead, but we would book ahead like, one day ahead or Mm -hmm. maybe two days ahead but there were eight of us so you know we needed to know that we had a place to 
to stay. Mm. Um, we, did, we didn't have any grumpy French people cooking us food. We had the best food. Yeah, the food is insane. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, Andy, you're about to, or you were about to head off in a, next week with your 11-year-old daughter, Lily. What do you, or what did you, and I know that you're going to eventually take Lily on the Camino, what do you hope that she gets out of it? Simplicity, the, like the beauty of simplicity. Um, I, I, if I can, if I can have her experience that at this age, um, a little bit of freedom to walk on her own. You know, it's a safe place. She's. We're gonna have. A, there's eyes all over the Camino. I'm not worried about her. You know, give her a little bit of freedom. But, uh, but just the simplicity of the the Camino, I think, is is a a blessing this day for the stresses that these children are facing. Mm. And it's, un, it's just, it's, it's, it's happening earlier and earlier and earlier to them. And I just think it's so, it's harmful. The anxiety, the, you know, there's just, it's just unnecessary. So I'd, I'd love for her to just unplug, unwind, listen, hear stories, find amazing people and realize that hand laundry is not so bad. <laughs> yeah. And you'd like to think, wouldn't you, that your 11 year old daughter, came back from an experience like the Camino, you'd love to be able to hear what, how she explained it to other people, her friends, mm. how, how she put it into words. Yeah. Uh, I'd be fascinated, actually, to understand what she, what she made of it. Just have her on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She will talk your ear off. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you explain it to people? I... I usually just get a bunch of quizzical looks and you can either tell whether or not they're engaged or they're glassing over, you know, because I can go on and on and on about it, uh, as I think a lot of us can. But I, I really I, I, I don't feel I do talk about it all that much, truthfully. Um, I do you sometimes think it's it's something very special to me and I'm going to keep it no, close to me? Not at all. I, I don't I'm not hoarding the Camino and um, I'm just. I'm willing to talk when people ask me questions and, you know, I, let's open a bottle of wine and let go to town. You know, at the end of it, I, I have uh, many times you just get people that will want to do it, but don't. And they and that's the thing that I mean, I've got a couple of friends who's I, I've actually gone out of my way to say, hey, you know, you don't like your job. You're not enjoying your situation you could really use this you know try and think about it uh, ask me any question in the world and 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 let's just try to pl- let, let's do this because i think you'll everybody in your world will appreciate you coming back i promise you it'll be a good move you know um so there there's a couple of those as well you know but for the most part i just just kind of enjoy my camino and <laughs> That's it. I'm excited. I like the planning of the next one. I can't wait to do yeah. that. I'm working my way across Europe. I, I've got five years planned, and then I'm going to go from London down to Italy. You know, like, I'm, this is a, this is a every year thing for me. Um, and I'm excited for when Maggie can come along, my wife. Um, I'm excited for Hannah, my youngest, when she gets to go on the journey. Um, and I don't know which one it'll be, but it'll be one. It's, it's just, it's, it's just important for me to have them. It's what Papa does. Mm -hmm. So I want them to experience that. 
Yeah, you know? absolutely. I like that. It's what Papa does, and I want them to experience that. Kathy, if, if someone, you're, you're engaged in the Camino community, we were here singing songs last night. If someone were to say to you, what's this Camino? What's all trail? What's all, what's all this about? How do you explain it? Well, I think, I was thinking when you were talking about simplicity, I can tell you one thing that changed in my life. I never wore makeup again, ever. <laughs> I went on the Camino and I'd get up every morning, put on moisturizer with sunscreen. And I came home, and I have never worn makeup again. Wow. <laughs> I know. That is that was huge. incredible. It's just such a simple way to live. And, it, and I think it, it just makes you appreciate how little you really need. It helps you sort out wants and, and needs. And I came home and started looking around my house and thinking, oh, man, I, you know, I mean... I'm 66, and you do realize that there, you know, you got a limited number of full moons left, and someday someone has to pick up every cup, every piece of paper, every pen, every tchotchke in the house, and decide what to do with it. So I thought, wouldn't it be lovely to save my daughter that trouble and start doing that myself and just start releasing stuff? Because uh, my backpack weighed like 12 pounds. That's it. Um, and it, it didn't have much in it. Um, and, and, and I didn't need much. But, so I think I would tell people it's just a... And for me, because I had just retired, it's like, you know, your identity is like, I'm a university professor. Well, then not, I'm not. So then who am I? If I'm not that, who am I? And, um, and I think that's the Camino gives you a chance to really reflect on things, um, really think. And then there are times on the Camino when if somebody had said to me, what are you thinking about? My honest answer would be nothing. It's like I'm not even thinking. I'm wow. just I'm just walking. So yeah. um, that's one way to try to explain it to people is it is a walking meditation. Yeah, it really is. You know? That's really interesting. And, and I think there's, I mean, there is no better way to see a country than to walk across it. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. really. Slow tourism. Yeah. And, but, but, but just when you, th- you said there, there are days when you think about nothing, that is so true. Yeah. That I had forgotten that feeling. Yeah. I had forgotten that. What a wonderful thing. I have to tell you, this is... In this day and age, honestly, right. that's, yeah. ex- that's a quite it, extraordinary. It is, yeah. It is quite extraordinary. But I have to tell you, this is not related to that question. It's just one of my favorite Camino stories. One thing I love so much about the Camino are the cuckoo birds. Because I don't think I really realized there really is such a thing as a cuckoo bird. And so we were on the Lapui route, and we met this young woman. I don't even remember her name, but she told this story about herself. Um, she said she's walking, she hears the cuckoo, she stops and she's counting, and then she looks at her watch and she goes, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It's just the best story. That's the greatest story. <laughs> that is so funny. Because, you know, we don't, well, we do have cuckoos in Australia, but they're not like, yeah, they're not yeah. like, and so Bill Bennett in his book, The Way My Way, talks about the cuckoos. And, and I was thinking, oh, wouldn't that be lovely to hear a cuckoo in the I wild? Have, I have a recording of them. And, and well, I'm going to get that from you and put it at the end of the podcast <laughs> because uh, I'm walking up from St. Jean and I heard them mm. between St. Jean and Orison. And I thought, oh, and I just 
stood. I didn't check my watch. That's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. But, but it goes to show you, doesn't it, that you can really be enveloped by the now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to tell one other story on myself. We're walking up from San Juan. We had been, a couple of years before we walked the Camino, we had been in Ghana um, on a mission trip. And um, so I'm walking, we're walking up from San Juan, and I hear this noise, and I said, wow, it sounds, it's like African drumming. Well, that's really interesting. And I think, well, there's some house up here, and they're playing African music or something. And then I kept hearing it and kept hearing it. It's like, well, every house can't be playing African music. It was the cowbells. <laughs> but just the way they move and the rhythm of the, of the bells it's, around their neck. It's lovely, isn't it? Was so that beautiful. That is great, African music. <laughs> I'm going to wind up by, I, by asking you, um, Andrew, uh, here we are. We may be six months before we can get back onto the Camino. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's 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 sad to think that those all those businesses and communities are going to be without their their livelihood for the foreseeable future. Uh, we're all in uncertain times. What has the Camino provided you in terms of solace for this uncertain future? I think that it's going to bring a sense of community. Mm-hmm. I think that the Camino gave me that same kind of sense when you're having a day where you're sore or you need a little extra something. I have a, so the, 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 there was a, there was the, I was in Saint Jean Peter Port and we were about ready to, to start going and it was early. I mean, it was March, very early in March. Um, and there was this Korean woman who was just panicked and she couldn't, she couldn't get she couldn't get her bag transported like she thought she was going to. And it was morning time and we were having breakfast. And, and so I was, we were using Google Translate and we were talking back and forth. And ultimately she, she ended up, you know, going, but I got to, so I, when I, I finally made it up to, to, uh, to, uh, uh, wow, I just lost that town. No, uh, yeah. And, um, and I was sitting there and I was having my, my afternoon beer. Um, and the, then I, I was sitting with this, this, this amazing Japanese, uh, kid who all of a sudden ran away. He was gone and he left his bag and he just ran away. He was really the fit young kid. And he came back probably an hour later he just had this revelation like, oh my gosh, that poor woman's carrying her bag. And I'll, I'll tell you what, when you're, when you're, when you're not going the, the Napoleon route, that last six kilometers is brutal. It is straight uphill. I mean, uh, the Napoleon route is at least, uh, it, it's brutal because it's just, it's 20, it's subtle 20, 20 kilometers. And then all of a sudden you just hit, hit steep. And, and she, he just went, I'm going to go down that hill and grab that bag for that woman. And I couldn't, there's, I mean, I couldn't imagine having that energy to, to do that, but that's just what this kid did. And so to bring it back to your question, I think we can grab people's bags right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
And Kathy, what about you? What does this uncertain future provide an opportunity? What, what opportunity, what goodness can you see out of it? Well, I think it's what Andrew said. It's, I mean, I think the question that we all need to be asking ourselves is, what can we do to help someone else? Which is what happens on the Camino. You know, what what can I can I carry your bag? Can I I carry a? I mean, it's trivial, but I carry a charger with four USB ports, so I can share. So everybody can charge their cameras, phones, whatever. Um, I have a compede. You know, here take it. I remember one of my favorite moments climbing up to Osi Barrero, and um, there was a lady there who I don't know how old she was, but she. She was considerably older than I am. And we just sat down together, and she opened her bag, and she said, I have figs. And so just, you know, like, can we share food? Can we just share kindness? Can we be an ear? Can we, you know, how can we help other people? Which is, I think, what all of this physical distancing is meant to do. It's not, can I keep from getting... COVID-19, but can I keep you from getting it? Mm, Um, And so how can we care for one another? And someone just posted on Facebook this morning something I thought was lovely. It just simply said, the Camino is resting. I'm just going to wrap it up. It's just been so delightful, first of all, to to meet you both, to spend time in your gorgeous home, Andy, and Kathy, to share your energy and, and your shine. And I've just come back from the Pilgrims Gathering at Lake Tahoe. Um, it was really a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me. I saw snow. I, I made my first snowball. I was hit with my first snowball. <laughs> and it was one of the directors of the Camino Gathering who threw it, actually, and he took great pride in landing it right on my butt. But there was this overwhelming sense of the goodness of community, all of those good things that humans can do and can share. And so I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you to both of you and for taking the time to have a chat with us today. And it's, it's, it's one thing, I'm just going to ask you one last question. If somebody is listening to this podcast because there are people who had never heard of podcasts, let alone my podcast, who I met at the conference, uh, what's something you would say to them if they're thinking of walking the Camino de Santiago? It's, it's the same thing that everybody says on your podcast. Just do it. I mean, just don't, don't be intimidated by it. Don't be afraid of it. Um, train some for it and um, don't think it's going to be at all like the movie The Way. Um, but, it, you know, it's just you'll, you'll never regret a single minute that you spend on the Camino. Andy? I agree. I mean, I think that, but I say shed, shed your, give yourself the luxury of shedding your expectations. Absolutely. And just go have an adventure. There's your, your poles are going to hit 500,000 times. Mm -hmm. That's pretty great. (laughs) Shed your expectations. I reckon that's a good message. Full stop. Yeah. Not even necessarily about the Camino. You know what they say about expectations? They're just premeditated resentments. Wow. I can't talk. Or that. premeditated disappointments. 
Yeah, I mean, if you do, which is one reason why I don't like to do too much research. I, le- I mean, I now I can never remember the name of the um, town, but it starts with a C, and you come, it's so beautiful, and then you come around mm. the corner, and there's the map of the world. Do you remember the map of the world? It's all planted yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just remember, because I had... I mean, talk about no expectations. I was the last thing I was expecting to see. And we came around the corner, and there's this giant field with a map of the world, and it was just astonishing. And we all and we stood there and we sang, "He's got the whole world in his hands." Oh, that's it fantastic! Was just, it was such a special moment to see this, and and uh, so yeah, I like to I like to do some research, but I don't want to know what's around every corner. Well, that, I couldn't think of a better way to finish a podcast than say, I don't really want to know what's around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much. You. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. Buen Camino de la Vida. My guests this week, Kathy Watkins and Andrew Holloway, pilgrims from Washington State in the northwest of the United States. And we talked at Andy's house on Whidbey Island. William James, the American philosopher, once wrote, We are like islands in the sea, separate on the surface but connected in the deep. I've been playing you songs from my new record to close out my weekly podcasts of late. This week it's a song called That July in Fitzroy. I had my heart broken in July 1991. Kathy Watkins, my guest this week, and I shared similar stories. Fitzroy's a suburb of Melbourne, and Janie begged me to stay with her. We would make a life together, she said. I went back to Sydney and begged my then-manager to let me be a Melbourne guy. He said, you're broke, delusional, and out of your mind. But I went anyway. I maxed out my credit card and flew to Melbourne. I walked into the house in Fitzroy and into a wild party. Dan, what are you doing here, they said. I just decided to visit on a whim, was my reply. What's happening, I said. What's with the party? Janie and Colin got engaged. Well, that's fantastic, I said. And I arrived back in Sydney. My manager said, you have to go straight to Brisbane tonight. There's no money, so you have to take the bus. So I sat at the Hollywood Hotel in Surrey Hills and rode on the back of a beer coaster. I came back from Melbourne with a goatee beard and nothing much to say. I stood on the tarmac at Kingsford Smith Drive with a Hell Bank card to pay. The people I stayed with in Melbourne made me blush. So I stand here, holding my breath on a platform, waiting for a Greyhound bus. Fast forward to 2020, Janie's dead. Colin is now Colleen. Thank you very much for your company this week and every week. You'll find my record at danmullinsmusic.com. You can sponsor me via patreon.com forward slash danmullins. The Camino is resting. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. to say And I stood on the tarmac at Kingsford Smith Drive with a hellbent card to pay And the people that I stay with in Melbourne, they make me blush So I stand here holding my breath on a platform waiting for a Greyhound bus I found out that you lied Fitzroy I've never been a joker and I've never been a thief and never
never felt such a relief like when you said that you take me home tonight I've never stood so steadfast Say the word, I'll come 